We're halfway through this series, thinking through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we've framed our journey in terms of this, this kingdom heart that Jesus gives to his disciples and calls them further into. So the text that we've just read in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34, well, that's a continuation of this same kingdom heart thought from Jesus. And so his teachings here flow on from, from what he's already taught us in this sermon, that, that he gives us as his believers a, a kingdom heart now, and, and he wants that heart now to be new and, and being made more and more new, and that he wants to be in our kingdom heart. He wants to be in a close and intimate relationship with us. Jesus now flows on from these things to make clear to us that as his disciples, we can be kingdom heart sure. We can be kingdom heart sure. If we've been remade new, reborn as as Jesus' disciples, humble and penitent and trusting in his name, then, then we can know that we belong to our Father in heaven. And we can know that our Father in heaven is good. We can be kingdom heart sure, says Jesus. With a teaching that is therefore peace for our souls. And not only does this flow from the rest of his sermon that we've looked at since chapter 5, but but so too it's got a very clear flow within this next section in front of us. At first glance, the first part that we read in particular, verses 19 to 24, might strike us as kind of isolated and unrelated points, as if, as if Jesus has gone into bullet point mode here. But on closer inspection, this is all one beautiful flow. A beautiful flow in which Jesus is trying to lift up our hearts, lift up our eyes, lift up our worshipping lives to heaven which will naturally flow from us when we are kingdom heart sure, but so too, which when we do do these things and lift up our focus, it will teach us to be even more so kingdom heart sure. Let's step through his teaching and see what I mean from verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. As much as these verses are about storing up treasures, the the purpose of it all is all about our hearts and the certainty of our hearts. That's Jesus' whole point in verse 21. He wants us to be focused on, on working for heaven because that's where he's taking us to be. He wants us to have a certainty that that cannot be eroded like the things of this earth. And so too, if we think then uh, the other way around about that, he wants that our hearts should be locked onto heaven so that we pursue that sure future even now. And we must pause and and just recall again from the end of this gospel, in, in our earlier series we looked at in the Christ, at the end of the gospel, Jesus came to die for our sins to secure us to heaven. And so when we are brought into a posture of repentance and trust in Jesus' blood for us, we, we are brought into the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus can't be telling us here in Matthew chapter 6, that we should try to 
buy our, our own way into heaven by laying up these treasures. That can't be what he means. He's simply telling us to live for our future in heaven, even here and now. Because heaven is so certainly ours if we've been purchased by him. Moth and rust and thieves cannot take it away. So he's actually reminding us as his disciples here how certain our future with him is. I mean, why would he call us to to lay up treasures in heaven, verse 20, if, if we might never see those treasures again? No, where your treasure is, says Jesus, there will your heart be also. He wants us to be so kingdom-focused precisely because we can be so kingdom-sure even now. So too, I think, in verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. It seems to me that Jesus also wants us to lift our eyes up to heaven. Which may well be another way of saying the same thing. To be kingdom-focused in our heart would, would have us seeing our treasures as as those that are stored in heaven. Keep your eye on the sure prize of heaven, says Jesus, and and live by God's light even now. So too in verse 24, it's perhaps another angle on the very same thing. No one can live for or, or serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. If we are focused and fixated on this earthly life, then this earthly life will enslave us. Without mercy, without fail, it will chain us in burden. Rather, says Jesus, be be bound unto heaven, because that's where he's ultimately taking us to be. In all these three things, Jesus wants us to be fixated on heaven because he wants that we should be kingdom heart sure. If our hearts and our eyes and our lives are are bogged down in in the realm of this world and and its teachings and its pressures and its opportunities and its its treats even and and its demands, then then we will end up trapped and slowly crushed and, and without peace for our soul, as we map out our days. But if we are focused on heaven, which is already granted to us in Jesus' name, then we will be lifted above all the pains and the joys and the fleeting pursuits of this world, free from what is ultimately only going to be bondage and prison and chains. Specifically, Jesus then goes on in the second part here to to name that trap that's ultimately waiting for us when we get locked into a this-worldly kind of view. He calls it anxiety. Anxiety. Therefore, Jesus says in verse 25, Therefore, 
In other words, what he's only just taught us about having a new heavenly view for our heart and our eyes and our life, it's linked to this next part of the teaching through verse 34. That's what the therefore is there for. With a kingdom heart sure, verses 19 to 24, we can, we can lift up our focus to the glories of heaven and know that they're ours as Jesus' disciples. And the troubles of this life, in the meantime, verse 25 to verse 34, cannot take that sure kingdom away. I think that's what Jesus is doing with this therefore and with this whole teaching here in front of us. He's, he's rooting our focus on the certainty of heaven because that equips us for the troubles and the traps of this world as we, as we wait for our sure treasure. I think that's what he's doing because Jesus gives us that flow with this therefore. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. When we are locked onto heaven, we can be kingdom heart sure in the troubles of this life. Look at this next block of teaching. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Three things I think we might think through about this second part of the teaching, and Jesus' call to us here not to be anxious. First of all, Jesus isn't suggesting that we won't have any troubles in this life as his disciples. And he makes that patently obvious in the next verse, 34. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Trouble. So we can expect to have trouble in this life as disciples of Jesus on on any given day. So too Jesus says again, just just ahead in chapter 7, that the way unto life is is narrow and hard. So too, he says elsewhere in John chapter 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. So too, through his servant Paul, Jesus taught us that through through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God in Acts chapter 14. 
So Jesus can't be saying here in Matthew chapter 6 that that we can cast off anxiety because we just won't have any trouble to be anxious about. Quite the opposite, in fact. He says we can can learn to cast off anxiety even though we will have trouble. Jesus wants that we will learn to find peace in our soul in, in the midst of that certain trouble. The second thing we might say about this anxiety that Jesus has just raised here is that Jesus may not be suggesting that we we don't go through any kind of anxiety ever at all. Even his servant Paul said that he had anxieties over some things in in Philippians 2 and, and again in 2 Corinthians 11. So too Paul said the same of his friend Timothy. Sometimes this word has has a different nuance to the one that we always tend to use, and and we might translate it actually as concern. And concern is often appropriate and wise and a very healthy thing to have. And so I don't think we should be aiming for, you know, some kind of zero anxiety state, you know, completely detached, like a psychopath, unable to engage this human emotion at all, it's just that we don't want to slide down the other end of that spectrum and be, and be overwhelmed with our anxious concerns. We might also note that Jesus here focuses on, on what we might call basic essentials, food and clothing and water. We needn't be anxious about these kinds of things. If God takes care of such things for the birds and the grass, verse 26 and verse 30, of course he will take care of them for us, his precious children too. We whom Jesus purchased for himself with his blood. Notwithstanding, of course, the previous point, we will nevertheless still have trouble in this life, verse 34. And for some people, at some times, they may well go hungry or thirsty or without clothing or blankets for warmth. But not because God doesn't know or doesn't care. If they are his children in Jesus, then then that must be part of the trouble he has granted them for that day. At one level, the prevalence of anxiety in our society today isn't really around such basics as as food and clothing and water. We're quite privileged here in Australia in 2022. We might then get anxious about less essential things. At another level, a deeper level, sometimes these basics are actually deep down underneath our, our various other anxious concerns. So, for example, under the the surface-level threats of of things like losing a job or or losing a spouse or trying to escape from abuse and such things, underneath those kind of big-burning anxiety things can often be these kind of basics that Jesus has just spoken to. Where will I get food? Why didn't I think to bring a suitcase of clothes? Maybe Jesus' words here might take away at least that level of stress, your father will cover those basic essentials. But maybe he'll also help with the other stuff too. 
A third thing we might say about, about this anxiety that Jesus speaks to here is that today there is a clinical disorder or a group of disorders that are, that are medically diagnosed by that name. And that kind of anxiety is very prevalent today and it's, it's very complex. It involves factors like brain chemical balances and so on. Jesus may not here be speaking to that scope of this word, the clinical kind of anxiety. Or maybe he is. Actually, if you think about it, why would that kind of anxiety not have been prevalent back then, just the same? And sure, we might know so much more today, and we might know well today that that, that kind of clinical anxiety can be, can be treated and helped with things like medication and exercise and sunlight and such and such things, but so too perhaps it could be helped by Jesus and this kingdom heart sure stuff that he's teaching us here. That kind of anxiety is a, is a prominent and sensitive area and we should learn to lean into it more now and then. Perhaps for today I could offer just one thought towards that conversation about anxiety from this scripture here and Jesus' words. If someone you know is suffering that clinical kind of anxiety, then understand that that's not like a a switch that they can just click and be through it. Understand that there are factors like brain chemistry that are are just beyond their control and that it might make it hard for them to even process what Jesus says here about anxiety. Showing your friend these words from Jesus in, in a in a fleeting or, or flippant kind of way, could actually be just like dumping another layer of anxiety over all their other anxiety. Just like kicking them with the same boots that they already know. But over a long-term time frame, and I mean very long-term, if you can be a very patient friend, And when it's taken more fully with the first part of Jesus' teaching here, back in verses 19 through 24, about the certainty of heaven, then this here from Jesus could well be very good medicine for that clinical anxiety. Possibly the best of all medication. Possibly even the, the only ultimate cure in the end. Jesus is leaning right into our reality here. He knows we're going to have trouble. He knows that our old hearts were programmed to have to have no real clarity and, and yet plenty of doubt. He wants us to learn a heavenward focus and that we should trust in him along the way. He wants us to be kingdom heart sure. So you and I might think then about, about trying to put this teaching to work. And I suggest so, both, both in terms of our own lives and also the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ, when, when either we or, or they might need focus and trust. We might ask of ourselves and, and ask of one another, is your life focused on the kingdom of heaven? 
Is your life focused on the kingdom of heaven? Have you thought about what it means to to lay up treasures in heaven? Do you spend time each day looking forward to heaven and prayerfully choosing how to serve God? With whatever he puts in front of you today, do you you think about how you can take it on and and do it in in a kingdom kind of way? Are you living for God and his treasure of heaven? Or are you bogged down with only earthly and and temporary things? Are you kingdom heart focused? And do you realise through that that you can be kingdom heart sure? Do you think as as a disciple of Jesus, Jesus, do you think as his disciple, having repented and trusted in Jesus' death for your sin to bring you into his kingdom, Do you think that he's here telling you to put away treasures in heaven if it might somehow be that you'll never ever see them again? Would that make any sense? Do you think he would even overturn the payment that he gave for you for some undisclosed reason, that he would overturn that payment to deny you from heaven in the end? Would that make any sense? Why do you think he's always telling us, not just here in Matthew chapter 6, but incessantly through scripture, Jesus always is telling us to be kingdom heart sure in him. So there's a first question that comes from all this. Are you, are you kingdom heart sure? And a second question flows on. Are you anxious about the things here and now? Are you anxious about the things here and now? And if so, see if there might be some kind of connection back to the first part of Jesus' teachings about having that heavenly focus. I mean, Jesus does have a big therefore there in between those two things. So have you really actually taken hold of your eternal kingdom security? Check back to question one. Are you kingdom heart sure? And if you are kingdom heart sure, then then start to probe this next question. Why would you even need to add a single hour to your life? As verse 27 says. And why then be anxious about what the next day might bring? Do you not know how much Jesus loves you? Do you not know how much your king cares? Would Jesus set aside for you such a glory and joy and abundance of heaven, but be ignorant of your life and your needs here and now? Would that make much sense of the person of Jesus? And think too about this the other way around. Have you, in your anxiety, lost all concern for Jesus' kingdom? That's what Paul and Timothy's anxieties were about in Philippians and 2 Corinthians, by the way. It was anxious concern that they had not for themselves and their own desperate situations, but for Jesus' kingdom, for Jesus' name, for Jesus' people. Perhaps that kind of concern is something of what it is to to lay up treasures in heaven. 
If we take on board Jesus' whole flow in these words, we might see his two sections of the thought here as, as the connection between our certain forever and our uncertain tomorrow. Our certain forever and our uncertain tomorrow. And here is the good medicine on that from King Jesus. Take this teaching he gives you and take it 24 times a day if you have to until you start to feel kingdom heart sure. But be sure to take both parts of the teaching. It's only really effective when it's taken together. And it may take a very long while for this to kick in. But just keep taking this two-part teaching until the depth of God's love and care for you starts to sink in. Just keep taking this teaching. And read much more widely while you wait so that you start seeing the same thing. Because I tell you, Jesus is always telling us to be kingdom heart sure. It's actually the basic call that that he's given us, that, that we should trust him in what he has done for us. He loves us so much that he died for our sin. He loves us so much that he died for our sin to bring us to God in heaven. So lift up your eyes and your heart and your whole life too to the glories of that heaven. And let the uncertain bits in the meantime sit in his capable hands just the same. And let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you as always for your scripture that teaches us so well. And and this two-part kind of teaching from Jesus here, Father. We pray that you would help us explore the connection between those two parts. Explore it in our small groups through the week, but so too, of course, Father, for the rest of our lives. And we pray that you would make us all more kingdom heart sure. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for our sins, to deliver us safely to heaven whenever it is that you are ready to take us there. Help us live out lives now of service to you and thanks to you with hearts that trust you and lips that praise your good name. Father, for those in our midst who are suffering at the moment that that big A anxiety of the medical form, please place inside them your peace and a peaceful patience to wait upon you and trust you with the hardship that you have granted them for today and to trust you in the journey of recovery, which is most certainly in your safe hand. Lord, with our focus and our trust locked onto you, please make us more and more kingdom heart sure. In Jesus' name, amen.